TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Um, there's been a lot of talk about the EV market. I mean, I've had tons of conversations about how sales are slowing. They're saying on the lots, the salespeople don't even know how to sell them. And, you know, there's a mandate in California to go fully EV by 2035 and Connecticut has followed suit and without... You know, obviously some some controversy and uh, state Republicans are getting a little more active about it, especially with the slowdown in the sales market. It's it's that has really changed the conversation a bit as well. Uh, let's welcome in Senate Republican leader Kevin Kelly here on Brian and Company. Kevin, good morning. How are you? I'm pretty good. Uh, yourself, Brian? I'm well. I'm well. It's good to have you on the show. Uh, uh, listen, what's happening today? Uh, well, today we are going to have. Uh, a press conference with uh, a number of associations uh, because as you say, you know, not only on one side are EVs slowing down, uh, but on another, we don't have the infrastructure and capability that even if everybody bought the, the EV as the majority wants, we don't have the capability to deliver the electricity to uh, those cars across Connecticut. It's not just in wealthy Connecticut that can afford a personal charger, but it's also public housing in cities, uh, people that live in multifamily homes that, that aren't going to have access to the overnight charge. And really what's happening here is Connecticut has yet to adopt this new regulation. And we believe that something so substantial that's going to actually take your choice as to what type of automobile you're going to drive doesn't reside in regulation made by some bureaucrat and passed by a a regulation review committee. It really needs to go to the General Assembly so that the General Assembly will weigh in and decide whether or not this is a good policy. Back in 2004, Uh, there was a desire to follow the California emissions for low emission vehicles. Never was it contemplated to go fully electric and zero emission vehicles. And that's where I think the disconnect really occurs is that uh, the statute back then allowed you to keep your gas-powered car, where now the majority wants to go in a different direction. I mean, the conversation is new, is obviously nuanced. And I think affordability is a major issue. Infrastructure is mm-hmm. another issue. But but also, like, when when they made this announcement, did they run the numbers? Did they do the studies? Or did they just be like, hey, we got 12 years. We'll figure it out. Well, that's kind of what we're getting. Because one of the facts that I've put in front of them, that under normal circumstances, whenever we do a regulation change is the impact on the state budget. And if you're going to go to electric cars, that means the gas tax that we now collect, for lack of a better term, evaporates, which is going to be a 600 million or up to, I've seen as high as 700, but a five to $600 million loss of revenue to the state of Connecticut. Now that should be addressed by the bureaucrats before the reg is pushed forward. But you know, here they didn't, you know, they just glossed that over and they're like, well, it'll catch up. Well, 
that's happened in too many instances. The majority has made promises. Look at the Affordable Care Act. We were supposed to have affordable, accessible, and quality uh, care. And here we are 10 years later, and our premiums and costs of health care are still going through the roof, Brian. And that's the problem is uh, the majority has made promises. They've broken those promises, but are asking Connecticut people to trust them with that promise because this is all going to catch up in the end. And unfortunately, that's not the reality. You see what the marketplace is doing. They're saying we can't afford these. Uh, we don't have the charging capability. Uh, and, and even in that, you know, when you look at we need more electricity, well, at the same time, in alternative sources of energy, at the same time, you have, uh, you know, here in Pura uh, denying uh, the electric companies from, you know, putting more uh, improvements into the grid. We see Avangrid with the Park City wind pull the plug because of zoning rule change in the city of Bridgeport. And uh, also with regards to uh, President Biden uh, pulling the plug on hydrogen hub for Connecticut and the Northeast. So on one hand, the Democrats want to move forward. And on another, they're cutting the legs out from everything they're but, saying they're going to okay. do over the next 10 years. And, I, you know, I, I don't look at it through that minority majority lens. I, I just look mm -hmm. at it practically from a citizen's lens. And just can I get back to a practical question, which is like, sure. when this mandate came out, is this definitely in place? Is there does it have to be passed by like, give me some is this definitely going to happen? Or is there a way to get in the way of it? Like in practical terms, are we absolutely supposed to do this by 2035 or does it have to uh, be has it been voted on like i don't even know what the practice i just know that it came out that oh we have we're going to follow california in 2035 be all electric but is that definitely the path of connecticut or is or it can it change uh it can change and that's why we're trying to raise this level of awareness there will be a vote on november 28th of the regulation review committee whether or not to adopt this rule by regulation, in other words, allow dem uh, the bureaucrats to make this choice. Or, you know, if we adopt it, then yes, Connecticut follows. If the Reg Review Committee decides, no, this is a decision that needs to be made by the, the General Assembly, then it would move to the General Assembly for a vote during next session, during the uh, short session, which runs from February through through May. And that's November uh, November 28th, you said? Correct. I believe that's a Tuesday, the Tuesday after uh, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. So that's why we're trying to raise this level of awareness. And the, and the fact is, we don't have to go the California way. There is an alternative to this, and, and that would be to follow an EPA standard that 32 other states are following. And instead of taking uh, the choice of a person's car away, it's much more middle of the road and achieving the same goal, because we all want cleaner air. We want a better environment. It's not like we're opposed to that. It's just working in middle-class families need to keep their method of transportation and at the same time work on improving our environment. So there is an alternative lane we could go to that's not as, as aggressive and radical as the California plan. And so that's kind of the lane we'd like to go into. All right. We only have like two minutes here. We're here with Senate Republican leader Kevin Kelly. Uh, just quickly, you brought up the budget. Uh, how concerned are you? It's sort of two-parter, take it where you want to, about sort of the, the revenue slowdown. And at this point, are you sort of glad we didn't cut taxes more? Well, what I'm glad about is that we kept the fiscal guardrails, which were really the result of the 2017-2018 
uh, I'm going to say compromised budget, that these were planks that our party put forward, uh, and they kept the spending cap, the bonding cap in place, which had put the money into the rainy day fund. So, so those safeguards are in place, and they're, they're working. Uh, what's good news is that the, even though there's a decline, we're still in surplus. Uh, and what we need to do is focus on making sure that government, uh, you know, stays on track with the money that was provided to it, because we can't go back to the taxpayers uh, and ask them to cough up more because working in middle class families are still struggling, despite the fact that, uh, you know, the finances at the state level are are better than theirs. All right. We got in, in, in general, um, can you give me 30 seconds on sort of absentee ballots in Bridgeport and what we should be doing? <laughs> well, again, I mean, I think the video show and I think you see the same result. It happened in the general. It happened in the primary. It happened in 2019 where somebody wins on the machines only to have that victory swiped by absentee ballots. And it's not tracking the same. You know, somebody wins 52 to 48 and then lose three or four to one in absentee ballots. We need to close the corruption loophole uh, that exists, which allows, you know, even if they say a few bad apples to stuff a ballot box. We all saw the video. The Connecticut Superior Court judge said it was shocking. And we need to crack down on that because at the end of the day, the people of Bridgeport, as well as the state of Connecticut, deserve an electoral system that they have trust, faith and confidence in. All right, Senator, thank you so much for the time. And obviously, we'll be following up after uh, later this morning's news conference. You bet. Thank you very much, Brian.